0: Hey, Christy. Yeah, Leslie. Did you hear that Arnold Schwarzenegger retired from TV to kill bugs? No. Yep. Yeah. Now he's an ex <laughs> Hi,
1: I'm
2: Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular, and my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong.
0: Upside Down Tulips
2: Hello, gardeners.
0: And hello, wannabe gardeners.
2: And hello to our wonderful new guest host, Leslie.
0: Hello there, everyone. <laughs> See what I did there? That was in honor of the aloe vera plants I saw in Christie's window when I walked up. They are massive and gorgeous.
2: Oh, that's so nice of you to say. You know, I've had those plants for like
0: 40 years. You know, my mom always had an aloe vera plant in, her, uh, in the kitchen oh, because she was nice. constantly burning herself. And she, I remember as a kid seeing her just break off a branch and put it on her burn. Yeah, it works wonderful like that.
2: When the pandemic started, I was making my own hand sanitizer out of alcohol and aloe vera. Oh, that's cool. Remember when you couldn't find any hand sanitizer anywhere? Now, of course, it's everywhere again. Well, friends, you may know Leslie, if you live in the Denver metro area, as a truly beloved actor in our community. thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But Leslie, we've known each other a long time, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, the first time I remember you, you didn't meet me. I met you because you were on stage at the Denver Center in the play Wit.
0: Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. And you were
2: so good in that. Oh, and I thank just,
0: you. I just remember going like, that person is a wonderful actor. I was very proud of that show, My Sterile Technique. Because uh, my dresser, Robin, her mom was a nurse, and so I learned from her. She taught me how to do the sterile technique. Oh, and uh, when the playwright came to see our play, first thing she said to me was, "Your sterile technique was flawless." See, look I
2: was at like, you. Yes,
0: I worked hard on that. <laughs> you know, after that, that show was it affected me so much that had I been ten years younger, I think I may have gone to nursing school. Wow, because the difference between a good nurse. Uh, You know, someone who's personable and and a bad nurse, someone who's just very uh, technical or whatever, Mm -hmm. makes a big difference when you're a patient. And I thought, I think I would be good with people. I could see that part in you, too, now that you bring that up. Yeah, 10 years younger, I would have done it.
2: Well, the next time I remember meeting you, you were pregnant.
0: Oh, wow, that was quite some time ago. And now
2: your daughter's in college.
0: (laughs) She is. I just saw her last night. We had dinner with her. Um, I told her she has to come home because I miss her. So she's going to come home for Thanksgiving.
2: (laughs) She'll bring laundry with her, right? Oh, of course. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Of course. She says she hates, she likes doing laundry. She hates folding the laundry. And I'm like, I will gladly do your laundry Uh, for you. Because to me, laundry, folding the laundry, it brings me some peace. I see that. That's how I like weeding. Oh, really? Yeah. Like
2: weeding, you know, you have something that's all messy, and then you weed it, and you have automatic uh, satisfaction. <gasps> I never thought of that. That's cool. And and we've done plays together before. Yes. I I remember when I saw you in Wit, I thought, boy, it sure would be an honor someday to work with you. Oh, and we've got to do several
0: plays together. We have. And I mean, our first was Good People, right? Yeah. Uh, I... Practice so hard for that Boston accent. And it was. It took me about two years to lose that character because because I would practice in the car and I'd be like, get out of my way. Oh, that was terrible. It was a terrible <laughs> accent. I, I can't even do it anymore. And
2: that's how I fell in love with Bingo because of that play.
0: Oh yeah, it was really fun.
2: Uh, and you've been involved with Upside Down Tulips since the, almost the very beginning. Yes, that's true. You may, friends who are longtime listeners may know that Leslie is also... Phoebe, as in Phoebe's Phenomenals.
0: Phoebe's Phenomenals.
2: And Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil.
0: Choice Moist Soil.
2: Shout out to Moist. (laughs) Hello, Edith, if you're listening, because she hates the word moist.
0: Moist. (laughs) Just for you, Edith.
2: And um, uh, you you fashion yourself as a wannabe
0: gardener, right? I do. I want to be a gardener, because right now I'm not really a gardener. Uh, I consider myself um, the anti-gardener, <laughs> and I have a black thumb of death. Oh, no. Yes, it's true. I inherited that from my mother. Even though we, I grew up with gardens outside, my mother could never keep a house plant alive. Mm. And I remember when I was a kid, my mom would like be packing up all the house plants into a box, and she's saying, we're going to the plant doctor. And then we'd go to my grandma's house, which was about 20 minutes away. And she'd drop off all the plants that were dying. And then we'd come back in two weeks and they'd be blooming and beautiful. Wow. Yeah. But yet she loved plants. She did. She loved plants and she loved to garden. And uh, her and my father still have a big garden uh, in their backyard. Uh, My dad, uh, (laughs) he was a principal and a football coach. And um, he, you know, loved the school system, but he really thinks that he's a farmer. So in our backyard, he planted trees, and we always had a big garden, and he would make my mother pick off those bugs on the tomato plants, you know, those big, long worms? Oh, tomato hornworms. Yes. She would have to pick them off, put them in a bucket, and save them for the chickens. Oh. And so (laughs) my dad would rake leaves around the base of the trees and drop in the tomato worms. And he'd say, it's good grubbing for my chickens. (laughs) That's good
2: grubbing. Good (laughs) grubbing. Those are scary bugs, tomato hornworms.
0: They're huge. Yeah. They're terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. She'd just pick them off.
2: You know, there's a certain kind of aphid that loves, a certain kind of bug that like, like, so use the tomato hornworm as a parasitic really? device. Really? Yeah. So if, friends, if you ever see little white pellets on your tomato hornworms, leave them alone because they're going to kill that tomato hornworm from the inside out. Oh, Wow. Yeah, nature's amazing. It's crazy. Um, And you've had, but you have
0: had uh, container plants in your yard, right? Yes. You inspired me when you first started doing Upside Down Tulips. I had two tomato plants in pots, and I called them Tomato Plant Girl uh, after a play that my husband had directed, and Tomato Plant Tot, which was the baby of the two. And I started really late in the summer, but they grew beautifully. They grew really big, and they had all these yellow flowers on them, so I knew fruit was coming. Um, and then we had a frost, and everything shrivelled up. oh, but I was able to salvage one tomato, one, just one. nice. But I dressed it up real nice, and I ate it, and it was delicious.
2: <laughs> you have a picture of that, too. you <laughs> sent me. We'll put it up on Facebook, friends. Yes, exactly. Of Leslie's one her big tomato
0: harvest. <laughs> Yeah, baby tomato. And you have inside plants, though. I do. I have some inside plants. Uh, I have uh, two, I I don't know what they're called. You know those um, plants that they grow really tall and then they have a flower at the top and people give them to you? Orchids? Orchids. Okay. That's it. I have two Orchids. <laughs> One named Leaf after my friend Leaf, and one named Chloris Leafman, after Chloris Leachman. And then I have another plant, which I call Chloe, um, and I think, because I remember reading the little stick thing that they put in there to tell you what the plant is, Uh and it was like Clytemnestra or something. I know that's really a Greek tragedy, but something like that. Yeah, I think I have one of those. Yeah. And uh, I I beg them every day to live.
2: Aw. Yeah. But they do, though, huh?
0: Yeah, and I, and I have two new plants because I had two house plants outside that people gave me, and I've brought them inside. I also beg them to live. I do the same thing, though. Yeah, please don't die on me. Yeah, please. It's
2: impressive. I think that you have orchids because I have uh, killed a lot of orchids, and people have given me orchids. I'm so happy when I have them, and I I can keep it for maybe like six months. But after that,
0: I've I've been lucky. They've been alive wow. now for. Well, they've both re bloomed. Um, I'm impressed. And I think that takes a while. So I must, I think I've had them for like, you know, a year, mm-hmm. or maybe even two years. Well, no, I think I've had leaf, leaf for, from before the pandemic. So that has to be like three years. That's good. Yeah. And re bloom, I've never been able to do that. Yeah. So you don't have that much of a black thumb. Well, I think it's the begging. It's the begging <laughs> that keeps them alive. And I don't do anything to them. Like, I forget about them. I forget to water them. And that might be like the that. best thing. Yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, I got to water them. How long has it been? But They seem to be happy.
2: Well, friends, we'll talk more about that because this week's topic is to all the
0: plants we've killed
2: before. Yes. So Leslie and I are going to talk about the plants that we've killed and how you can
0: um, learn from our mistakes. And we have a lot of mistakes. I should say- when I say we, I mean me. Oh, I, I do too. <laughs> I have killed many a plant. It's funny because we'll come.
2: Across, I'll be like at a party or a gathering or something like that, and and people will talk about their gardens. They'll come up to me all the time now. When I want to talk about their gardens, but then they always kind of qualify by saying, you know, embarrassed about the fact that they've killed plants. I'm like, the brand of this whole podcast is that we're not perfect and we learn from our mistakes.
0: Exactly. So. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to learn. I want to turn my black thumb of death into a green thumb, or at least a gray thumb, or on the way to green. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, how is your garden?
2: Well, we're kind of at the last stages. Ah. We had snow this week. Oh, right. And so a lot of things are pretty much done, which on the one hand, I think is always kind of a nice time of year because... It's, there's so much time put into the garden, and lately it's been so much about harvesting. And then once you harvest, you got to figure out what to do with all that harvest. And so now it's the time that gardens get to rest a bit. But I do have a couple of things I thought were interesting. Okay. And that is, Leslie, I love zucchini. I um, And the big joke, of course, is that when you have a zucchini plant, you have enough for all your neighbors. And there's... In August, there's National Sneak Some Zucchini in Your Neighbor's Porch Day, and usually have way too much zucchini. And for the past couple of years, I've had a lot of trouble growing zucchini. Really? Uh, last year, my my plants did not work at all. Huh. This year, I my plants were not working, and I bought a plant. I planted it in July, and in September, I got my first zucchini. That's great. I got one zucchini. Oh. It's like your one tomato. And- just before the snow fell, I harvested my second zucchini. two. So and it's very strange to harvest a zucchini in November. Yeah, we've had such a nice fall. So I got two zucchini. Another weird thing that happened is that as I was taking the whole garden down because everything was was wrapping up, I realized that next to my butternut squash plant, I had a celery plant. And folks, you may remember this, that Edith and I planted celery in March. Wow. And Edith's celery died, and most of mine died. And I didn't even... I kind of forgot about it, and I realized I have a celery plant in my garden, still alive. That's so cool. And I'm going to harvest it, I think, because it doesn't mind these cold temps. I think, you know, I'm going to protect it. So I have a little celery plant. That's so great. Um, I did... I'll uh, harvest all the pumpkins. I carved them all for Halloween. Uh, technically, unless I had seven pumpkins. <gasps> oh, my goodness. That I grew from seed. The squirrels got three of them. But I did carve four of them. I had, they were all cat-themed for Halloween. It was kind of fun. Then the squirrels really started going crazy. Oh, the squirrels. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They. they I didn't know the they like thing. pumpkins. They eat the whole thing. Seeds and all. That is crazy. So all the pumpkins are on the compost pile and the squirrels are going crazy. Oh, and my cats are going crazy watching the squirrels going crazy on the pumpkins but I saved a bunch of seed it's so satisfying
0: to grow pumpkins I I just love it one of my neighbors she her whole front yard is a pumpkin patch oh nice she made these um, kind of burrow type what do you call it like rows uh huh and uh she has tons of pumpkins every year
2: oh I love that well I'm gonna grow them again and I saved a bunch of seed in fact I think What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I think I'm going to offer seeds to members of our garden party. Oh, cool. So, uh, friends, our garden party are people who throw us a couple bucks each month so we can pay the bills and keep doing the podcast. Nice. And when I get a lot of seeds from something, I'll give them away to the garden party. So if you are a member, uh, stay tuned and I'll send some pumpkin seeds to you if you want. And if you're not a member, please consider joining the garden party. You'll find that link. In our show notes below. And if um, there are words or terms you're not familiar with, just go to our website at UpsideDownTulips.com and you'll find the always informative and humorous Upside Down Dictionary. Perfect. Um, And oh, don't forget, we also have merchandise on sale this week, 35% off. So if you want an Upside Down Tulips mug. Perfect. You've got a mug, don't you, Liz? I do. I love my mug. (laughs) Or you can get t shirts or journals or garden totes or things like that. That's also in the link in the show notes. Okay. You know what we should do now is we should have a pot play, Leslie. I, I love it. I can't wait. We're bringing back friends all the way back from one of our first episodes Phoebe's Phenomenal, starring the one and only Leslie O'Carroll.
0: I love it. <laughs> What are the sexiest celebrities and hottest influencers posting on Instagram? Their Birkin bags? Their designer dresses? Their cleavage? No, it's their gardener hands. Oh, yeah. Everyone who is anyone is gardening these days. Even if you don't garden, you can look fashionable without all the digging, pulling weeds, hoeing, raking. Here at Phoebe's Phenomenales, we have the latest trends to help make your quarantine manicure stand out. Our gardener Hands treatment features artisan chip nail polish and real dirt meticulously embedded under your nails. Plus, our advanced techniques will give you the appearance of cracked cuticles, scrapes and cuts, calluses, and even blisters. Uh-huh. Get that rough-to-the-touch look that makes you look like you haven't worn gloves or put on lotion in months. Woo! For a limited time only, get a bottle of our special brittle nail polish as our gift to you. Mass required. Social distancing enforced. And would it kill you to put down your phone and pop in a mint?
2: It's funny when I think about Phoebe's phenomenales. Leslie, because that was during the pandemic, Yes. Just in the heart of everything when you came over and recorded. And you hadn't done a You hadn't done a play in like in over a year. Do you remember oh, that?
0: Yeah. No, it was terrible. But it was so great to be able to do something creative. And I'm so glad you started Upside Down Tulips because now it's continuing through. we passed. Well, I hope we're past the pandemic. Yeah. Um, we're endemic, I guess. Endemic. Yes. Oh, that's a good word.
2: Well, um, You said in the beginning that you feel like you have a black thumb. I do. And it's interesting to me that one of the most common misconceptions about gardening is the idea that you either have a green thumb or you have a black thumb. Um, Because someone who has a green thumb is known to be somebody very successful who can keep plants alive. Yes. And someone with a black thumb is known as somebody who would kill plants or unsuccessful with it. It's really not so black and white, though. I think most people kill plants, and keep plants alive somewhere in the middle? Uh, maybe. Maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Well,
2: I certainly have killed my fair share of plants. Oh, um, I've overwatered, underwatered, dropped them. I've fried them to a crisp. Um, and a lot of it, I think, is just about research, experimentation, trial and error. Yes. When it comes to it. Um, here, here's an interesting fact about where the term green thumb comes from. What's that? Um, This is according to James Underwood Crockett. It comes from the fact that algae growing on the underside of earthenware pots will stain a person's thumb and their fingers if they handle enough pots. Hence, a person who's always working with flower pots has a green thumb.
0: That's amazing.
2: I love word origin categories in Jeopardy, too. I always like that. Here's another theory. That it originated during the reign of King Edward I of England, he was fond of green peas and kept half a dozen serfs, shelling them during the season. The serf, who had the greenest thumb, won a prize.
0: The Oh, green from peel, shelling, shelling the peas. Oh, well, if I'm, I miss my time period. I, I think I'm a master at shelling peas. I remember sitting with my grandmother in Alabama. She'd have a big bag of peas from their garden, and she taught me how to shell peas while uh, sitting there with her. When I was little. Uh So I would have, I missed my time period. I would have had a green thumb. You do have a green thumb. Well, it's getting there. I have to tell you about my little uh, plant that I brought in from outside. You know, we had that freeze, Uh and it's a little mini rose bush that someone gave me um, while I was doing a show. Uh And, we, well, we had that frost, and when I went outside, all its leaves had, like, crunched. And I thought, oh, no, I killed it. I killed it. But I brought it inside, and I took off everything dead that I could see. Uh And um, it ended up just having two stems sticking up. With kind of the dead-headed flowers on the top. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I'm going to stick it in the window, and I'm going to forget about it. Because that's exactly what happened. I stuck it in the window, and then I forgot about it. Uh, And when I went back, I remembered, and I went back and I looked at it. It had tiny little green leaves growing. And I literally shouted out, oh my gosh. And I immediately gave it water, put it back into the window and hopefully it will continue to grow. Oh, I felt I felt very good about that. That little color green. Tiny tiny yeah. leaves. Yeah. But I thought I didn't kill it. It'll come back. It's like that movie Wall-E. Wall-E. Oh when you see this
2: movie the, and you just see sees that the little green. bit of green it's so hopeful, it's exactly. so wonderful. Exactly.
0: That, that was a big moment for me. Oh,
2: but you've said before you, when you were younger, you were afraid of gardening. Oh, totally afraid of gardening.
0: And I was trying to think back, why am I afraid of gardens? And I think I discovered that way. Uh, when I was little, uh, I, well, not that little, I guess I was probably around 10 or 11. I was with my mom in the garden because we were weeding. She was weeding the garden and we were also babysitting. And uh, my mom just put the baby down in the garden with us. And we're weeding and everything. And then a little bit later, I hear the baby cry. And I look over and the baby is covered in ants. Oh and I'm like, mom, 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 mom. And my mom's like, it's okay. Just pick her up and brush the ants off. They're not going to hurt her. And I'm like, I I can't. I can't touch her. I can't. Oh so my gosh. mom picked her up and moved her to the grass and brushed all the, the ants off. And she was fine. But I think that that has stuck with me my whole life. So I think it's not the dirt that I'm afraid of because I used to eat, you know, mud pies as a kid. I'd make them Mm -hmm. and eat them. And I'd come in with mouth mouth full of dirt and my mom would be like, have you been eating dirt? And I'd be like, no, no, no. She said I was very convincing, even though there was a ring of dirt around my mouth. And that's probably why I became an actress. But um, so I know it's not the plants. I know it's not the dirt. I think it's the bugs. Mm. I think it's ants. Is that a thing?
2: Yeah, well, I think it must be. And there's a lot of little creepy crawlies in the garden. A lot of them are good for gardening.
0: I don't like spiders either.
2: Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you see, you come across those in gardening. You have to. um, There's some people who are afraid of worms too, which are the nicest little critters. Okay. Yeah, I think understanding that a lot of little critters are good for the garden.
0: So what 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 do I do? Do do you just wear gloves or something? I mean, how
2: how do you get past that? Yeah, I think exposure
0: exposure but
2: nobody likes a lot of
0: any bug no
2: like a couple bugs around but if it's a lot
0: I don't like those beetles either those pretty beetles oh
2: the Japanese beetles yeah i don't like
0: those either yeah those are creepy yeah
2: yeah they're quite satisfying though to smush and to kill though
0: well you know I had a a bucket in my um on my porch so that I could water my geranium mm-hmm. you know I was like oh I'll just keep water in the bucket and a bunch of those little green bugs were like floating around in there so I think I caught some without even meaning to. Next time, put
2: a couple drops of dish soap in there. Because what will happen then is that the bugs will fall into the water, but the soap will prevent them from flying out and they'll drown.
0: Oh, okay. Got to get rid of the bugs.
2: Well, um, there are quite a few reasons why we accidentally
0: kill our plants. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. So I was house-sitting for my friend Sharon. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And there was that freeze- And she asked me to bring in two of her plants. And I said, okay, where do you want them? And she said, just put them in the hallway. So I put them in the hallway. I watered them. Not too much, because I was afraid of overwatering. But I watered them till they were moist. And then I came back about three days later, and they were all yellow. Was the hallway dark?
2: Yes. Ah. So a big reason why we kill our plants is either too much or not enough light. Oh. So it's it's possible that they didn't have enough light, and this happened to me, Leslie, this summer, where I was on vacation. I was gone for seventeen days, and um, it was I, my house isn't air conditioned, so I always close everything up during the date during the daytime, so it cools down. Mm-hmm. And I have a very complicated system of opening and closing, opening and closing. Right. I don't expect my house sitters to do all that, right? Right. I mean, I was asking them to water the outside garden and take care of my cats. Perfect. So. When I got home, I think they kept the, sh- the shades and everything closed up a lot during the day. And so oh. my spider plants and my ficus plant they almost they almost died. I brought them back but they probably went too long without light.
0: Oh that's probably When the dark I, did. I came
2: home and they were the ficus had dropped half its leaves and the spider plants, the leaves had all turned black. Black? Yeah, yellow. The first, they they must have gone the yellow phase and black. And so I repotted the spiders. And then I have um, kind of left my ficus alone, just kind of watering it occasionally. But light is a
0: big reason why we kill our plants. On um, the stuff that was black, are you supposed to like cut that off? Yep, or it took did it you... all off. Yeah, oh, it's not going
2: to turn green again.
0: What about the yellow? Will that turn green?
2: Also a really great question. The yellow most likely will not turn Green again. So you
0: have to take it off.
2: Yeah. And another big reason why we kill plants, and this is inside and outside, is either overwatering or underwatering. And probably, I think inside, people will have a tendency to overwater more. So, Leslie, the fact that you ignore your plants, it's better to underwater your plants. Than That's just probably why they up. love
0: me now. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> True. she just forgets about us. Yeah. She leaves us alone. Otherwise, yeah. they're like, look, she's coming with more water. No. <laughs> They can they can
2: literally drown, plants can, oh. with too much water. They didn't have enough oxygen. And they can also, inside plants can get root rot. Oh, no. And so what will happen if you overwater plants is that they will, leaves will turn yellow and your plant will die. And the best cure for that is to repot it. Oh. So um, uh, take your plants out, give them all new soil, trim back the roots a bit more to get rid of any moldy roots and give it a fresh new start. If it's... Outside, boy, that's tough. Like here in the Denver metro area, we never have a problem with nature overwatering. Right, We're so always dry. We always have the opposite problem. But our listeners, you know, in the East Coast or in the Pacific Northwest where they get a lot of rain, um, you have to be – I mean, there's not much you can do, but you have you can keep an eye on to make sure that if you – about getting a fungus or a mold. Oh. And you can um, put down a fungicide. You can make your own fungicide. Which is just um, water and baking soda spray. Really? Yeah. I, I spray it on my cucumbers, on my pumpkin plants, a gallon of water, and a teaspoon of baking soda to help combat powdery mildew or fungus. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and so if you overwater, you get yellow leaves and they die. If you underwater, yellow leaves and your plants die.
0: Beware the yellow leaf. Yeah.
2: Always, you just stick your finger in your in the pot. That's the best way to do it. That's
0: what I did at Sharon's house. That's why I'm like, I know I didn't overwater oh, them. yeah. And they were still moist when I came back, but they had those yellow leaves. That's mm. why I was confused. So annoying. And
2: careful not thinking about your plants have a schedule. Um, like you must, all your plants get all watered on the same day every week because the humidity can change in your house mm. and plants will grow and need more water, or less water. In the winter... Don't water your house plants as much. Oh, that's good to know. Cut back because the plants will go more dormant. So you can water half as much as you would in the winter than you would in the summer. Okay,
0: I have one question about the indoor plants that are in the window. Uh Sometimes my window gets really cold and they're right next to that. Uh Um, Do I have to do anything to them? Do I have to wrap them up or anything?
2: Do they look happy or do they... Well, they're again—they're alive. That makes me happy. Yeah, so. I—I've I, I, had that same thing, Leslie. Because I have up in my kitchen, I have a bunch of jade plants, and right, and and I live in a 1932 house with single-pane original windows, exactly, and the plants are right up next to that. But it also gets a lot of sun too, it, it, and because it faces the, there's a south-facing window, so I turn the plants like every week oh you do yeah now why do you do that uh because you know the plants will grow toward the sun and i don't want them to get like mine actually do grow toward that window yeah so i should turn them turn them oh yeah and then i guess keep an eye but i guess my plants haven't gotten but i'm worried about that too yeah if they've got if they get too cold
0: but so it's not the leaves that you worry about right it's just the whole plant if it looks good then it's okay
2: yeah i think you're okay all right. Okay. Well, keep us posted. Oh, I will. On your plants. <laughs> um, and I also want to say as we get to our next pod play here that um, part of my ticking down all my garden is that I had this huge fence of morning glories. And I've, because of the frost, because morning glories are so sensitive to it, that they all finally die. Oh. But that's November, which is a long time. And every day this summer, these beautiful morning glories where they, the flowers would open up, and then they, they live for one day, and then they and they die. They just give us beautiful gift of a flower, and then they're done. And um, our dear friend of the podcast, uh, Jim Hunt, actually wrote this beautiful ode to Morning Glories that I'm, we're really excited to share with everybody right now. I can't wait
0: to hear it. I love
2: him.
1: If this musing has a title, it would be a prose ode to a morning glory. I've always been unpretentiously delighted by flowers and their names. Not not their botanical names, but rather the fanciful, often whimsical ones. It's always been a mystery to me that people can admire the beauty and scent of a flower and have no interest in knowing its name. When I lived in the mountains, I was obsessed with finding out the names of everything that grew around my house and on the hikes I took. My guide to Rocky Mountain wildflowers was always with me, and I know I often spent more time searching through the book than looking at the living flower I was trying to name. As Shakespeare's Juliet says, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Of course, that's true. That's true. Flower with any other name or no name at all is still as beautiful and as fragrant. So why, I often ask myself, does knowing the name add value? As a student of general semantics, I know that the word is not the thing, that knowing the name of something can trick us into thinking we know everything about it and give us a false sense of power over it but I don't think my thirst for knowing the names of flowers is tinged with any of that kind of darkness. In fiction, especially in plays, we often encounter ticket names. Uh, Most likely humorous, a ticket name can hold the essence of a character in a single word. Sir Toby Belch, Mistress Overdone, Sir Andrew Aguecheek, Inspector Doppler, to name just a few so many floral ticket names come to mind. Johnny Jump Up, Evening Primrose, Monk's Hood, Basket of Gold, Lamb's Ears, Queen Anne's Lace, Black Eyed Susan, Sunflower. The other morning I went outside early and was greeted by a host of just-opened pink and purple morning glories. So fresh, so fragile. How aptly named, I said to them out loud. After growing and twining and budding for weeks, each flower gets the morning of one day to flaunt its glory before beginning to shrivel and fade away. It would be so easy to say, what's the point? And completely miss the point.
2: Thank you, Jim Hunt. That was beautiful.
0: She's so good.
2: Well, we've talked about ways that you can kill your plants. Overwater, underwater, too much light, not enough light. Another big way that people can kill plants is how you transport them, how you
0: move them. Oh, yes, that's true. I, I have a story from my daughter, which I'm afraid I'm passing on my black thumb, uh-uh. uh, to my poor daughter. Uh, someone gave her a beautiful plant that she had in her dorm all year, or, you know, it was great, but then she moved home and, uh, she was with us for the whole summer. And as we were getting ready to move her back up to school, uh, we opened up a trunk and there was a very dead shriveled up plant inside that trunk. It had been in the trunk for the entire summer. And I was like, Olivia, Why did you put that plant in the trunk? And she said, well, I I didn't know what to do with it. I thought it would be safe in there. And then, of course, she forgot about it. And uh, it was very, very dead. Oh, what kind she of did plant? feel really bad. I don't even know. You couldn't tell. You oh. couldn't tell what kind of plant that was. I asked her, I said, what was that? And she's like, I don't know. It was oh, a plant. No. Oh. So, so I was, I mean, I, it's a valid question. How do you move your plants? So, um, I called my friend Rose who she's had two significant moves in the last five years. Um, and she's never lost a plant. And so I asked her, I said, well, what did you do? And, uh, she said, one thing that you can do is um, you can wrap the plants, like she wrapped all her plants in paper, like parchment paper, um, to kind of make like a funnel so that they, they'd be open at the top, mm-hmm. but they'd be protected on the sides. Uh, another thing that she did is she put all her plants in like a tub so ne- next to each other so that they don't move or shift back and forth a lot. Um, To kind of protect them. And she said anything that had a stalk, she would actually take like a chopstick or some kind of rod. And she would um, kind of tie it loosely Mm -hmm. to that stalk so that it had extra support when, you know, your truck is moving back and forth or your car or however Uh you're moving. And um, she would also... Put them in the cab, like if she had, a, if like one of them was a moving truck. But she took all the plants and put them in the cab, oh, gotcha. so that they had some kind of light, more coming. light, yeah. And she said also, which I didn't even know there was this thing, she would put, um, bulb. She called them water bulbs, and you fill them with water, uh huh, and then you turn them upside down and you put them into the plant, and then it slow drips. And so you don't, they get as much water as they need. And I was like, I need those. I I, I got to find those because. Yeah. Because if you're moving, if you have a moving van, that could be a week. Oh, exactly. Exactly. She also said that she put, would put a stick of plant food, which I've never heard of that. Yeah, what is they're that? They're called Job's Plant Spikes
2: and they're a slow release and you can get them in any box store or your local nursery and it's fertilizer. And Ah. it's just like the slow release water Mm -hmm. container that you those little globes that you can put in and turn upside down. And some of those globes are really pretty too.
0: Oh yeah. They'll be made out of glass and different colors and And can I get that at just like a nursery? Yeah.
2: You know what who I think I know who would have it too is one of my favorite catalogs, Leslie, is called Gardener Supply. Oh. And I get a lot of like I get my tomato cages from Gardener Supply. It's a great company that's um, based out of the East Coast and the employees all own the company.
0: Oh, that's cool. So I could just order them from them yeah. and then they'll just come to me. Yeah, in
2: fact, somewhere right here, I, I'll give you a, a copy of my catalog. Okay. You can go home and you could take a look at it. Do, are, are they, do they have com- sizes, like big ones and little I ones? they like the size, like um, I'm saying, like a baseball size. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've moved plants before across country. And didn't do any of that, but I didn't have, my plants are a little bit more sturdy, I think, than your friend Rose. Like those aloe veras that mm-hmm. you admired, um, I those were in a moving van for two days. Well, they were, they were able to, but it can be scary. And even, Leslie, when you're just like, when you buy a plant at a store and you're bringing it home to your house, you have to be careful about how you transplant it so that it doesn't get, yeah, jostled around. right. That you have to be careful what the temperature is outside, what's the temperature in your car, what's the temperature, especially if you buy a plant in the winter and you're going to put it in your car, you should make sure you wrap it
0: up. Well, and and she did all those things and that was great, but she told me the number one thing that she did, Uh and she swears by this, is that she told her plants what was happening. She spoke to her plants. She read this book called The Secret Life of Plants, and it was uh, written by a guy who was like um, a lie detector master, Uh and he was testing out new equipment or something, and he just needed to attach his electrodes to just something, and, you know, he didn't have anything, so he just attached them to the plants, and then he started to see when someone came in and things happened, the electrodes started moving, The you know, the lie detector um, mm. I, I don't know what you call that, like the needle. Uh-huh. And he, you know, he started doing experiments. He'd have someone come in and yell and see what happened. He'd have someone come in and, uh, you know, the to put on music and things like that. And what he realized is that plants are sentient. They like know, they're aware of what's happening around them. Isn't that fascinating? Just like trees, Leslie, will talk to each other.
2: What? And they will know whether or not they need to create more, uh, release different nutrients into the ground. They communicate through their leaves and through their roots about what nutrients they need and need to share with each other or like what they'll share, like what what insects or pests are bothering them. That is fascinating. So they'll develop, you know,
0: they put up their defense systems up. Wow, that's really cool. That's very, very cool. I think there was a movie made about uh, how trees like talk to each other and then killed all the people. Right. You know, I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, it was their revenge.
2: You know, well, you know, who can blame them?
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I love aspen trees and I know that they're taught, they talk to each other. Yeah. They're like a big. The, the
2: largest, li- one of the largest living organisms in the world is in Utah. Really? Which has the largest, one of the largest, the largest aspen grove in the world. Oh, wow. The only thing I think that's bigger there is like there's some large forest fungus in Europe that is bigger than the Aspen Grove in Utah. Oh, That's wow. the largest living thing in the world.
0: I think that's super cool.
2: I do, too. I okay. love that. And yeah. I And I love the fact about talking to your plants and telling them what's going on. And I also love how you name all your
0: plants. I do. I, I name my plants. Um, and I, again, as I said before, I beg them to live. Um, you know, and I, you know, they watch TV with me. So, yeah. You know. so that's awesome. So they like my programming, I guess, because they're still alive. <laughs>
2: Well, I've also, um, I've had, I've killed plants vicariously through my cats. Oh, no. So, you know, pets can, pets have killed my plants before. Um, Especially these two cats I have right now, Leonardo Dicatrio and Cat Winslet. Um, Leo (laughs) loves plants. He just, he loves to chew on them. He loves to dig on them. My Spiders that are hanging. He has figured out how to reach up and grab onto the tassels of the hanging. Oh, no. Plant. And I'm just thinking, like, someday he's going to pull that whole thing down. And he loves spider plants. He, and of course, they make him sick. So he chews on them and then he throws up. He loves to dig in the ficus plant. And so, what we kind of figured out, though, is that what he does not like is he doesn't like sticky tape. Oh. So when we first got him, we put sticky tape on the tassels of the plant and inside bigger plants that he'd he to dig in and he would stay away from it. So that was working great. That's great. And then we got Winnie. And Winnie loves the sticky tape. Oh. So she loves to chew on the <laughs> sticky tape. So it's kind of a vicious cycle of like having sticky tape to keep Leo off the plant he, Leo loves to he loves to dig. He loves to knock off plants. So you can see in here I had these two little shelves that are in these windows here. These oh things. yeah, yeah. I see that. Yeah, that worked out. Those shelves worked out really great until Leo figured out how to get up there. And he was and I had these pothos plants and he kept
0: knocking those off. Um, I really need to get one of those shelves because I've got this I've got my geranium plant and I have no place in my window to put it. Mm. And I know it's supposed to have some sunlight. Sunlight. And so I gotta get that because if I got that it could sit on there in the window up above because I only have two windows that get light otherwise I live in a cave mm. and uh you know that have a shelf you yeah know? and I it's I've got to have light for my plants and the one window is full of, you know leaf life is there and of course leafman and Chloe but now I've got Rosie and I've got Jerry my geranium and so if I get one of those shelves I can put them both in the front window
2: and friends These are like little clear plastic shelves with suction cups on it So you can just stick it right onto a window genius for your plant And that's great about you brought your geranium in now this I've also killed geraniums before because I did not overwinter them properly and folks if you don't realize this you can overwinter your geraniums in any zone that you live in So when you get near your first frost, you can. I brought in all my drainage this weekend, and Leslie, here's what I did. I first I trimmed them back at least half.
0: Oh, oh, it's a mine is about to like flower. Where do I trim? Do I trim the bottom? Yeah,
2: if you want to keep your flowers, they're just going to get they're going to get um, what's the word I'm trying to say? They might get a little scraggly inside. Oh, okay. Yeah, they get too long, so that's what I did. Is I trimmed them by by half, trimmed them all back, and then I took the whole plant. And I put it in a huge bucket of soapy water. The and whole plant? The whole plant. And I let it sit in there for do about Do you mean two. in the pot or you yes. took it out of the pot? Okay. It was in the pot. And I put the pot and the plant in a larger bucket of soapy water and let it sit in there for just a few minutes because I'm trying to kill the bugs. Oh. Oh, no. It has bugs? It might.
0: Oh, oh dear. Or maybe okay. not. I got to do that.
2: So I soaked it and soapy water went to drown the bugs, just like we talked about with Japanese beetles. Uh-huh. And then I don't have room at all to... I have like... Seven or eight geranium plants. I don't have room for them all to be in the house. So I put them up in my attic, which has windows. Genius. So I left, but I have to give myself a monthly note to say, water the geraniums because I can forget them up there. As friends know, I've forgotten tomatoes up in my attic and they all became shrivelly little. I remember that. Strange <laughs> fungus experiments. <laughs> so um, I gave myself a monthly note to go up and in my calendar. To go up and water the hydrangeas once a month, and then I'll bring them back outside when the temperatures get warm again in May. That's awesome. But I but I've made the mistake of thinking like, well, I can just put them in my garage. Didn't work. It was too cold in the garage, and they died, and they didn't come back. Oh, the attic seems to be kind of a nice place. For well, them it's to warm. Be. well, hot air
0: rises, so it must be warm it's up there. Warm-ish. Oh.
1: You
2: know, like I said, you know, single-pane windows,
0: mm-hmm.
2: drafty house. It gets cold up there but i think they like it.
0: Well, i'm going to get one of those shelves and i'm going to put that geranium on the geranium,
2: shelf. What's your geranium's
0: name? Jerry. <laughs> okay, so rich. I'm not I'm not very uh, <laughs> I'm not very creative with the names. I tried to think of all these great names and i'm like, yeah, i'll remember Jerry. So. Well, here friends are in theory some um,
2: easy plants not to kill. A sansevieria, which is also known as a snake plant. What's that? Um, Also known as a mother-in-law's tongue, but I never really liked that name because I love my mother-in-law and she's awesome. But it's got spiky leaves. I've killed it. Um, A rubber (laughs) plant, also supposed to be a very easy plant.
0: Oh, my friend Sharon has a rubber plant and it's beautiful, very hardy. It survived outside in that cold. Oh, I've had one before. I've killed it. Um, A Swiss cheese
2: plant, which has big leaves and like holes in it. Really? Supposed to be easy to grow. I've killed one of those. Um, (laughs) pothos, which is the, I've killed pothos before. What's that? Um, it has, it's a vining plant and it can have variegated leaves and the leaves look like little hearts. Also looks like a philodendron in a way. And I've killed that. Um, I've had it before. Too much sun, not enough sun, too much water, not enough water. And I've had, Leo has killed
0: pothos for me too. So, um... But you gave me a good idea with this shelf thing Uh on how to get more light, you know, plants more light. I think I'm going to take my little um, Cleo plant, Clytemnestra, um, Mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to hang it like you hang your spider plants. Oh, yeah. Because if it hangs in the window, A, it will create more space for me to put my plant there. Mm -hmm. But B, it'll still get sun from hanging.
2: Well, here's to hoping we don't.
0: I don't kill want to kill plants it. plants in the future. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> and we hope we help have helped you a little bit, friends, about, um, you know, how not to kill your plants. And if you kill your plant, it's okay.
0: Just get another one. Try to, again. Try, try again. To all the plants I've killed before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Leslie, guess what time it is? Oh, What time is it? It's mailbag time. <gasps> ring, ring. Because the postman always rings twice. What? All right. So this week, we are sharing a letter from one of our favorite beloved listeners, Doug from Tennessee. And he wrote into us because at some episode, we were talking about the importance of ketchup. And he wrote
0: into us to explain more about some ketchup recipes. So, Leslie, share the letter with us. Okay. He says, I thought some of your listeners might find non-tomato ketchups interesting and a way to make use of some interesting garden produce, although the watermelon ketchup sounds like an awful lot of work for the amount of ketchup you can end up with. Watermelon ketchup? That sounds very interesting. Isn't that? And Doug always
2: poses the most interesting questions. Friends might remember that he's also the uh, gentleman who wrote to us about pawpaws. Pawpaws. Which is a plant... In the south, that has a fruit that's like a banana. Oh, pawpaws! I that was in the play Hurricane Diane. They talked yes, about pawpaw. Exactly. Trees. Good job. I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what his article was saying, which I thought was interesting: that ketchup isn't only tomatoes. Um, there's a whole world of
0: flavorful and surprising ketchup flavors out there. Ketchup oh. is a very important part of my family. Is it? Yes. Um, the only way I could ever get uh, my daughter to eat eggs when she was little was to put ketchup on them. And my brother mm-hmm. puts ketchup on everything. When uh, when he was a kid, my mom would buy big bottles of ketchup and wrap them up and give them to him for Christmas. <laughs> and he loved it. He'd be like, it's my ketchup. No one touch it. Yeah. So I'm very interested to know other ketchups. Okay.
2: Well, um, the word ketchup is based on the Chinese word Ketziup, and it started off as a fish sauce. Really? The most common was anchovies that were fermented and dissolved in brine. Ay, ay, ay. So sailors discovered it and they brought it to Europe in the 1600s, and cooks then began to experiment with it and they added and subtracted ingredients over the next several centuries. In the 1700s, that brought the use of the tomato, and they called it like a tomato soy. In oh. the 1780s, ketchup, which was runny and had little or no sugar, was brought to the Americans. And, of course, you bring it to America, and what are we going to do? We're Put sugar it. in it. That's right. <laughs> um, and so James Meese published the first tomato ketchup recipe in 1812. Wow. Even though you can find references to ketchup in print as far back as 1690. That's crazy. And um, so not only can you have tomato ketchup... You can also have bacon ketchup.
0: That sounds good.
2: <laughs> What's that? How do I make that? That's by taking tomatoes and bacon and boiling it down <sighs> the same way you would make ketchup. Oh. Um, you can also make a hot pepper ketchup, mm-hmm. which sounds to me a little bit like sriracha. Oh, yeah, Or like yeah, a hot yeah. sauce, right, but just boiled down more. I'm not a fan of spicy, but you know. The watermelon ketchup was made by taking a lot of watermelon and pulsing it, and then sieving it through to get rid of all the fibers in it, and then boiling the watermelon down, and then adding vinegar. So what I kind of noticed with a lot of these recipes is that it was it's sweet and uh, savory. Well, what, what would you put that on? Like what? a salad? Yeah, I bet you could put like anything you would put ketchup on. Really? Yeah. Like, like a hamburger? Yeah. Huh. You know, I made a tomato jam. You did? Yeah. That sounds good. And it's, a, yeah, it's essentially like a, like a tomato chutney, but with, with sugar. But it's, it's I think it's like, if you like the vinegar and the sweet together, um, there was a banana mango ketchup oh, that I thought looked really good. That I sounds thought, so good. And I thought like that would be like, you could dip chicken in
0: it, or you could use it for chips, or... It's kind of salsa-y. Yeah, I think so. Except maybe a little smoother.
2: Yeah. Oh, but I it, like that. But, yeah, and it's a good reminder of, like, all the different things, especially this time of year when you have all this, as we're winding down and all this produce is finally in the house. And now what do you do with it all besides
0: tomatoes? That sounds so good. I think what it would be good on, like, what if you had your uh, zucchini noodles? Oh. And then yeah. you, you know, put it on kind of like a um, to- tomato sauce like you would put on. Yeah. But you'd put that on, you know, kind of mix it up and it'd be like... A lot of vegetables very good for you. It I feels think like. so. Yeah. Very well, healthy. if anybody
2: else has made unique ketchups, I hope you will let us know about it. Or if you have garden questions, if you have uh, solutions on how to not kill your plants.
0: We want to know. We want to hear.
2: If you have killed a plant, we want to know. We want to hear.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> please write to us at upside UpsideDownTulips.com uh, or at upside UpsideDownTulips at gmail. And listen, I am a perfect example of someone who doesn't know anything about gardening or plants, and yet I'm here learning, and you can start from nothing. So join us. Yes. So, Christy, do you have any uh, inspiration for us this week? I know I could use some. This week's inspiration comes from Jose Olivares. He says,
2: I killed a plant once because I gave it too much water. Lord, I worry that love is violence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Don't overwater. That's right. Don't overwater.
2: Well, folks, you've reached the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. We are
0: Christy montour Larson and Leslie O'Carroll. And if you got some laughs and some value out of this week's episode, could you do us a small favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. And thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing <laughs> the Upside Down Tulips theme song, which is amazing.
2: And if you want more, go to DeniseGentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com.
0: And many thanks to the many talents of and kind heart of our dear, dear friend, Jim Hunt. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Join us in two <laughs> weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you and hopefully inform you. And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Thank you, garden.
2: <laughs> Thank you, garden.
0: Upside down to Hey, Leslie. Yeah.
2: What's a pirate's favorite plant? I don't know. An R to choke. <laughs> <laughs>